Hello, I'm Connor Pope. This is In the News from the Irish Times, where we take a close look at the stories that matter. Today, it's deadline day for the HSE ransomware attack. The HSE say we're not paying. What happens next? attack. We, we talk about cybercrime, but this has real-world consequences for patients. Last week, Health Minister Stephen Donnelly confirmed one of the worst fears about the ransomware attack on Ireland's health service executive, the HSE. Data from the HSE uh, does appear to have been displayed on the darknet. There is a risk that the patient's data will be abused. That's only a sample, because what they're doing is they're saying, you haven't paid the ransom, and we're going to show you that we're serious here. Paul C. Dwyer is a cybersecurity expert. It's a fear mechanism. It's like sending you the finger of the kidnapped victim in the post and saying, we're deadly serious. You better pay the ransom or, you know, it's going to get worse. Last week, it was also reported that the group who carried out the attack set today, Monday, May 24th, as the deadline for the ransom to be paid before they start to sell and publish more data. That could include commercially or politically sensitive data from the HSE, as well as the private records of patients. Connor Lally, Crime and Security Editor for the Irish Times. Can you walk us through the events of recent days? Where does this story start? Well, the first indication that we got that there was a massive issue was when we woke up on the morning of Friday, May the 14th. The first indication we got was when a computer in the Rotunda Maternity Hospital stopped working in the very early hours of the morning. As a precaution, we're asking all patients who have appointments at the Rotunda today to not attend the hospital unless it's an emergency or unless they're 36 weeks pregnant or over. And really very shortly after that, people inside the HSE realised that their whole IT infrastructure and all of their computers were under attack. And I should say that it is uh, very significant and, and possibly the most significant attack on, on a cybercrime attack on, on the Irish state. And um, we are deploying everything to, uh, to respond to that. And do we know how the hackers gained access to the HSE systems? What we know is that from the hackers' perspective, it did not start for them on that Friday morning. We believe that they had been on the HSE's IT systems for about a two-week period. They had been basically spreading the malware that encrypts computers and files. They had been spreading that through the HSE system for a period of about two weeks. And then they really chose the early hours of uh, Friday, May the 14th to essentially, you know, blow up the system. Once they did that, we really weren't able to use the computer system anymore and it all had to be closed down. What impact did that have, the HSE closing down its own IT system? It had really serious impact on the provision of healthcare from things like A&E departments to GP surgery and so on. I mean, thankfully, the COVID vaccination programme was able to continue, but all aspects of the HSE health service were, you know, all of their IT was essentially completely wiped out. The HSE shut down their systems. What happened next? Events really unfolded quite quickly on the Friday that we learned there was an attack. And as that day progressed, you know, we very soon realised that it was across the whole of the HSE. Um, you know, the really interesting thing is, and it kind of gets technical here, but there's a ransom note essentially attached to every single item that was encrypted by the hackers. And the ransom note offers instructions for the person who reads it to go onto the darknet and to set themselves up in what's effectively a chat room to begin speaking to the attackers. And that's what happened. 
Did the HSE have any dialogue with the hackers? Well, this is a bone of contention, really. I mean, the HSE have said all along and the government have really said all along that they weren't in touch with the hackers and that they weren't going to pay any ransom. However, somebody working on the side of the Irish state and, you know, there's a very large team involved from the HSE, cyber experts who both work for the HSE and who work for private contractors as well. Somebody within that group of people took the apparatus from the ransom note. They went on to the dark net, set themselves up in the chat room that they'd be able to talk to the hackers. And they sent a couple of very basic, you know, lines of text to them, asking them, you know, what it was all about and, uh, you know, why their computer wasn't working and so on. So that was the only contact from the state side that we know about with the attackers. But there's a bone of contention as to whether that was done officially on behalf of the HSE. Today, Monday 24th, is the deadline day for paying the ransom. Did we find that out from this maybe official, maybe unofficial contact with the hackers? That's right. When the unknown person on the you know side of the state, if you like, went into the chat room, very quickly a ransom demand came back. And the ransom demand is 16 million euros, 20 million dollars. And they basically said that if the cash isn't paid by today, that they will begin publishing the stolen HSE data on the darknet. So I think really everybody involved from the guards and, you know, cyber security experts, based on previous ransomware attacks, they certainly believe that these attackers will publish all of it um, on the darknet or they may sell it to other crime gangs. But the other thing they had was they'd encrypted all of the data that, that they'd managed to take control of. But then last Thursday, they, they gave a decryption key to the HSE. Do we know how that came about? This was quite an extraordinary turn of events, but actually it has happened elsewhere. In that line of chat that went back and forward between the attackers and somebody working on behalf of the HSE, they offered a decryption tool, which basically the state can take and they can use and they can, you know, unlock all of the IT infrastructure and they can unlock, you know, computers and data and files everywhere. So at first glance, that was, you know, that looked like the gang was backing down, but actually they weren't. But the threat remains that the data that the attacker stole will still be published on the darknet if the ransom isn't paid. And really that part of the, you know, ransom demand was always the most worrying part. You know, you'd have an awful lot of, uh, you know, private patient information, commercially sensitive information potentially being published where everybody could view it. And that threat is still there. The the attackers are still saying they will do that if they aren't paid their uh, ransom cash. Now, we're talking on a Sunday evening. We're talking on the day before the deadline day. So it's possible that by the time people listen to this podcast, the hackers will have already started to uh, make good on their threat to release private information. How serious a concern is that? I mean, I think it's a really serious concern for obvious reasons. I mean, anybody who's, you know, details are on any HSE system anywhere. And that really would... You could probably say that's more than half the population in the country, you know, probably even more than that would be very concerned that their, you know, private personal details would end up online. But the really worrying part of it is, even if it's only your name, your address, possibly your phone number, who your doctor is, your email address, that kind of detail. If these attackers, these, you know, cyber uh, gang sell this information to fraud gangs, well, fraud gangs can take that. They'll use that even very basic personal information like your name and uh, your phone number, email address. They'll use that for basically wave upon wave of attempted frauds on Irish people for years to come. 
from text messaging scams, email scams, cold callers to your you know, phone and so on. That's a really big concern. And the guards are pretty much certain that the information the hackers have from the HSE will all be shared online. And if it isn't shared online, that will only be because it's been sold to an organised crime gang. So they have two options, really. They can dump the data on the dark web for anyone to access or they can sell it. Right. And really, no matter what happens, you know, Irish people can't win. Because even if they don't sell the data and they publish it online, other crime gangs that specialise in, you know, harvesting huge batches of data for personal details so they can carry out frauds, all they have to do is just go onto the darknet, have a look through what the hackers have actually shared up there and go ahead with those frauds that we've been talking about. We have also had previous cases in Europe. For example, in one case, there was a psychotherapy firm which had 40,000 clients. Cyber hackers went in and they basically stole the interview notes between patients and therapists for 40,000 patients. They then began emailing those patients, threatening them that if a ransom wasn't paid, they would publish their you know, private personal interview notes online. Some of the notes were actually published. One of the other things that happened last week is the government went to court to stop anybody publishing any information. So that really meant that Facebook, Google, Twitter, all of these big companies will have to avoid publishing any kind of information. Does that give people at least a degree of protection or comfort? I think it does give people a degree of comfort, yes. I mean, it basically means personal information can't be published by, you know, news outlets in Ireland, which I don't think was going to happen anyway. But it also can't be published online, as you say, Twitter, Facebook and so on. That takes care of the, you know, publication stroke, public sharing aspect of the information that the gang will probably post online. But the far more worrying concern is, is really that anybody who wants to view that, any individual can go onto the darknet, can view that. And then the really big concern is that that information will be used by international fraud gangs. And really, they could use that for years to come um, for attacks on Irish people. This isn't a short term problem. I mean, as you say, criminals could buy this information, sit on it for a year, two years, three years. And then maybe when people are least suspecting they go in and say, listen, we know X, Y and Z about you, so we want you to do A, B and C. That's right. I mean, the, the cyber attack on the psychotherapy centre in Finland took place nearly three years ago. And it wasn't until last year that actually the data that was stolen was actually used by uh, fraudsters. So really, these fraudsters can wait for years. You know, I mean, attacks may happen very soon, but these guys can wait for years. You know, we'll all be aware that we've had texts to our phone trying to um, entice us to click on, you know, links purporting to come from banks and so on. All of that data uh, that enabled people to contact us by phone, that was all obtained by crime gangs via cyber attacks on things like banks, private health companies and so on years ago. And very often that data is kept in play for years. And even, you know, your, your name combined with your mobile, that can be very effective for a fraud gang. We have the guards investigating this. We have Europol, we have Interpol, we have the FBI. Yet there doesn't seem to be anybody caught for committing these crimes. Why is it so difficult to catch these cyber criminals? 
because they work off things like the Darknet and they're obviously very tech uh, savvy, um, they really have their origins covered before they start their attack. So trying to pick through IP addresses and internet addresses and phone numbers and email addresses and all of that, it's not really going to work with these guys. There's a very good chance here that the data that they've stolen will be shared online or will be sold to other crime gangs or even a combination of sharing and selling and that we won't ever know who who these people are and that they won't ever be caught. That's highly likely. Many people already will have heard that the the key suspects for this attack are a Russian-speaking hacking cartel called Wizard Spider. What do we know about Wizard Spider? Yeah, I mean, some of the names of these gangs are, you know, really interesting. Um, What we know is that Wizard Spider is one of five gangs that effectively formed a ransom cartel about halfway through last year. They have been using these kind of ransom attacks to attack targets all over the world. And the nature of the attacks that they carry out is just unreal. They will attack hospitals, universities, art galleries. And even in some cases, they'll attack huge companies and then tiny little privately owned firms as well. So really, you know, the collection of targets they have is very, very unusual. We know that Wizard Spider in particular has been carrying out these attacks since about 2016. They haven't been caught. They are still operating as they were, you know, five years ago at the start. They've refined what they do. Their, you know, technology is much more advanced now than it was five years ago. And really, they're just carrying on these attacks all over the world and they're not being traced and, you know, they aren't being caught. So they're highly successful. As you say, Russian-speaking people... Certainly some of them are believed to be based in Russia, but they also have a scheme whereby they hire out their malware and all of the infrastructure that they use for the attacks. So really this attack uh, could be carried out by freelancers working for these gangs and those freelancers really could be located in any part of the world. Is this just the world we live in now? Have we any power or have states got any power to combat these cyber criminals or do, do we just have to accept it as a reality? I think at the moment, states have some powers. I mean, they, these people, they operate cross-border and, and that is, that is, you know, organised crime has always used that as a tool to avoid being caught. And very often where these gangs are, uh, you know, where they live and where they work from, the authorities in those countries don't want to catch them because they're quite happy they're, they're attacking targets in, in the West and they're causing chaos in, in the West for, you know, corporate entities, for governments and so on. So once the West is being targeted, there's really no pressure on these gangs. And the government has made it very clear that no ransom will be paid. But I presume some people, businesses, big businesses and small businesses, actually do pay the ransoms. Otherwise, these hacking cartels wouldn't be operating. They absolutely do pay the ransoms. And the reason why they pay it is because some of the really big targets that have been hit would make, you know, huge money every year. And even the cost of being shut down, even for a week or two, would be, they would lose far more than they would if they just paid the ransom. So these ransoms are paid all the time, all over the world. And that's the problem, really. Every time it's paid, it's a recipe, really, for more attacks. Because these gangs just take their chance. They say, look, for every whatever, one in five or one in three major attacks we carry out, we get paid. So let's just keep going. There's been a lot of talk internationally about making it a crime to pay a ransom to these gangs. 
So I think the international community is really going to have to have a proper look at this because ransoms are being paid all the time. Some of them are huge and these gangs are doing very well out of it. What do you think is going to happen today? Sooner or later, we're going to get an indication as to whether the data has been shared online or has been sold. But every single cyber expert I've spoken to said one of those two things will happen and it'll happen very soon. Connor Lally, thank you very much for talking to us. Coming up, how much will Ireland's neglect of cybersecurity end up costing us? In the week or so since the ransomware attack on the HSE happened, more and more questions have been asked about how ready Ireland was for such an attack. Caroline Lellington is an Irish Times columnist who writes about digital technology and data security. Caroline, should the authorities have been surprised by the scale and the timing of the attack on the HSE the week before last? No, because there had been so many warnings starting last year. I mean, even at the very highest level from the FBI. Hit by hackers, federal agents say a ransomware attack has impacted several hospitals in the U.S. And they say more could be at risk. Healthcare, I would say, became a focus because of the confusion with COVID. Cyber criminals are opportunists who hijack major news events for financial gain. And COVID-19 is no different. Basically, people's attention were focused elsewhere rather than perhaps looking quite as closely or paying as close attention to potential hacking attempts that might be happening out there. We're clearly living in a period of time where there's an elevated threat from these kinds of attacks. There is a state agency, the National Cyber Security Centre, that's supposed to protect us against attacks. But since the HSE was breached in such a serious way, there have been questions about whether that agency is up to that very difficult task. Does the National Cyber Security Centre have the resources it needs to properly protect Ireland against attacks? I don't think so. When you look at the claim that it's, you know, in the Dáil replies that this is a 5 million euro provision. Minister, in terms of the National Cyber Security Centre, is it the case that it has only a budget of 5 million euro? The funding is closer to 7 million, not 5 when you include non-pay items. That amount tripled in the last budget. And that that was a triple increase on what it was last year, which was what really made my hair stand on end, if that's all. It's just such a paltry sum. Even within a large organization, you would be thinking you would be targeting maybe what they seem to have been targeting at an entire national security effort. You know, the Irish Times was reporting that it looked like the, the entire budget over the past 10 years had mounted to maybe about 14 million euro for a, a decade, which is just astonishingly low. I was trying to find well, what are what's a comparably sized country in Europe and a comparable population? What kind of money is being spent on this? And it turns out, you know, Denmark, which is about the same population as us, put um, a 1.5 billion kroner. That's about 207 million euro commitment towards a national cybersecurity plan and the infrastructure. So that's more than 10 times per annum what we were designating um, towards our agency. Do we have a strong leadership team at the National Cybersecurity Agency? We don't seem to have that at all. The head role has gone unfilled for at least a year, I believe, and the position was being advertised in sort of about 106 
thousand to I believe it was around one hundred twenty seven, twenty eight thousand per year for that position, which is just laughably low for a role that important. I mean, you could you you would get a job as a programmer in a modest sized technology company at that salary, much like you know. If you're talking about needing someone who has the comprehensive, you know, the experience, the knowledge of systems, the security capabilities, the intelligence capabilities for a nat- for coordinating a national program, it just seems astonishing that those are the pay grades that they're willing to pay. I guess if it emerged that the head of a state agency like the National Cybersecurity Agency was being paid a quarter of a million euro or more, there could be some backlash against that. Yeah, there would. And I mean, this is always a challenge. I mean, you know, to take a friendlier view of the government, I suppose, here is or a sympathetic view of government. It's very hard to challenge private industry salaries when you're looking at government pay scales. And that's a problem across across government and um, and the whole public sector. If you're looking for IT expertise, you know, you're competing against especially in Ireland, you're competing against Google, Facebook, you know, these uh, Symantec for that matter, you know, as a huge global defense center in Ireland. So, you know, a lot of the expertise that you might be looking for, you're up against these companies that can pay much better for people with those kinds of skills. I mean, certainly right now, anyone who's sitting waiting for a radiation treatment is going to feel that, especially with the government stating it will cost tens of millions to piece the system back together. Maybe those tens of millions are well spent going into defense, you know, or hundreds of millions for that matter over a period of time, um, rather than us scrambling to try to recover from something like this. Thank you, Carolyn. You can follow all the developments as this story continues to unfold today and in the days ahead on irishtimes.com. In the news, we'll be back on Wednesday.